Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Upon Further Review. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn, and we have another special guest on the phone. Come in, caller. Uh, this is your colleague at the Dallas Morning News, Babe Laufenberg. He is a colleague, isn't he? I forgot about uh, that. Doesn't, doesn't that let you know just how far the paper business has fallen when I'm your colleague? <laughs> huh? the, even, even in the heyday, you wrote columns for us. I did. I did. Yes, you and did. I, you know what's funny? <clears throat> I really enjoy it. I love it. Well, Babe... Now, the readers, read, people may not like reading me, as I say, but I like writing. Well, you know what that proves, Babe? You're just an old man like, like a lot of readers we have. Well, I, hey, I'm a subscriber. That is a beautiful not a, thing. Not a digital subscriber. I went out and I got my paper this morning. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, as a lot of people here might not know, you used to be uh, live around the corner from Kevin Sherrington, but now you've uh, moved up in the world where you live near Troy Aikman now, I believe. Is that correct? <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. Interestingly enough, uh, I moved to be near Kevin Sherrington, but in the seven years or whatnot that I was living next to him, he never stopped by, never invited me over. Um, so I said, well, why did I do this? So I went down to my buddy Troy. Troy comes over. He'll mow my lawn occasionally for me and stuff like a good neighbor. And uh, it's been it's been a nice arrangement. Well, let me let me ask you this question. Let, let's get let's get right to let, right to the obvious. You're working a game on Thursday night. Why should Mr. Kevin Sherrington watch that game? Well, because his remote is broke and there's only it's stuck on channel 11, and we put this TV on. That's all that's available to him. <laughs> Why should anybody watch? <laughs> no, I, I you know what? Honestly, um, there's always something that happens in these last games that you say, wow, where'd that kid come from? And I know who that kid's going to be. And interestingly enough, I asked Jason Garrett yesterday at his press conference, I said, you ever, you've been doing this now? He's had four years where basically, excuse me, he's been, had the last word or whatnot in in shaping the football team. uh, Another way of saying cutting guys at the end. And I said, in those four years, was there ever a guy that played in this last game where he jumped out and you said, wow, we, where'd this guy come from? Of course, he didn't give a direct answer. I was looking for a single guy, a player that where he said, Hey, you know, so-and-so he was pretty much on his way out. We were playing him because we had to. And all of a sudden we said, what, what have we been missing on this guy? And, and he wouldn't give me anyone. Do you think he has one? He just wouldn't give you one. Or well, do, what do you think? The, I, oh, I think, I think there's ha- in four years, there's had to have been a player um, where they, they didn't end. They didn't think he was going to make it. And I told him, barring injury, because some of these guys, somebody's going to get hurt or somebody's not going to be ready. And obviously, one of the younger guys will make it by default. But he wouldn't give me one. I do remember, gosh, and I can't, uh, I can't remember who it was exactly, but it was up. It was a final preseason game in Minnesota, and they were saying, hey, this counts, and there's jobs on the line, and the whole nine yards. <laughs> God, it was a receiver. I, I should remember. Anyway, well, well, return. We can't, we can't. Returned a punt for a touchdown. He caught like 150 yards of balls. And he just could not have played any better, and he got cut. <laughs> so what, if we don't know what, uh, what Jason had in mind, what do you think he has in mind at tight end, where they have four of them at the moment, and they really have talked a lot about Jeff Swain, and they've given him some good looks. Do you think he's going to make this team or not? I love Jeff Swain. I really do. I mean, I think he, you know, he's not Jason Witten, but – who is? He, he, how, how I keep looking at him, and I've mentioned this a few times in my Dallas Morning News blogs, um, how this guy, how Texas, saw, see, how Texas saw fit to throw this guy the ball 10 times last year with that offense. Well, did I mean, you, see the, did you see the quarterback? Well, yeah, but I'm looking. 
hey, but that tight end spot, that's an easy one to throw to, too. You know, quarterbacks love it. It's a short throw. It's Anyway, I, I just looked at it, and I said, this is, I've got an NFL tight end in my hands, and I'm throwing him the ball ten times. That was shocking to me. I didn't, I didn't follow every Texas game, obviously, but, Who is but your... he's been impressive. But I don't know. I don't know if you can keep four tight ends, but they've got four legitimate NFL tight ends. And as I said, one will either be traded, you know, get a conditional seventh or one of those type of deals, uh, or they're going to be playing for another team if they release them. But if you keep Tyler Klutz, the fullback, uh, which Jason has been, you know, he, he likes having a fullback on the roster, I think it's going to be hard to keep a fullback and four tight ends. Let me ask you this. Who, who's, who's your favorite tight end that you ever threw to? Gosh, that's a good question. Well, Jay Novacek was just an unbelievable route runner and all that. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget when I went to San Diego in 1988 and actually you know, became the starter there at the opening of the season, and Kellen Winslow was, was in camp, but he had, he had a bad knee. But he was still, it was so funny and, and very instructive for me. He was still Kellen Winslow. You know, we're, we're a young team. My, my first three receivers were rookies. Literally, one, two, and three were rookies. Uh, our, our running back, excuse me, uh, our H-back, Rod Bernstein, former Texas A&M great, you know, he was in his second year. So we had all these young guys, offensive line that hadn't really played, and Kellen Winslow gave you an identity because you looked at him and you said, wow, that's Kellen Winslow. And he had that body, and, you you know, you saw the number of his jersey and charger and 80, and, and then he didn't, he, he ultimately retired toward the end of that training camp. And, uh, but he, he probably was as good as anybody I've seen. And it's funny, he, he was that tight end uh, literally a generation ago where the tight ends now are all Kellen Winslow types. You know, I mean, Gates in San Diego, Gonzalez, all those guys came up. Winslow was that first real pass-receiving tight end that we see. So, I mean, he was as good as he gets. Uh, yeah, obviously I'm too old to have played with Jason Witten, but he's got to be at the top of anybody's list too just watching it. Did Darren McFadden show you enough in that uh, last game to think that maybe the Cowboys are going to be okay at running back? Well, I think they'll be okay at running back because, as I was saying, he okay, uh, Trent Richardson over the last three years has had the lowest yards per carry average in the NFL for a back with 300 carries. So that it's been getting 100 carries a year for the last three. 300 total carries, he's had the lowest. Darren McFadden's second lowest. But he's still at like 3.4, okay? So I, I say you give him the ball twice with that 3.4, 3.5 average. You're looking at third and three, right? Right. I can live with that. What? what but what is this so, off? What is this offensive line? Isn't this offensive line worth another uh, couple of tenths of uh, a yard? Yeah, yeah, maybe a couple of tenths. I think some of it's getting overblown. Like they're the first offensive line that's ever been any good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean, but it's the Cowboys. This whole notion of you know best in NFL history and. All, all this other stuff. I mean, they're 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 good. They're very very good. But the the notion that you just put a guy back there and that next guy is going to run for eighteen hundred and forty five yards like Marco did, it, it, I, I just don't agree with it. And uh, I, and watching Joseph Randall, is he leaving any meat on the bone on on his runs? <laughs> you know, this sounds like a typical coach speak or whatnot. But you you really did look good in training camp up until the time he got hurt, started missing some practice, but. You know, he, he did look good. The whole thing with him is, can he screw his head down for for 16 games? Can he screw his head on right for 20, 20 weeks, maybe? Can he screw his head on right for 20 carries a game? 
you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easy because none of it's easy, okay? <laughs> but getting five or six carries, spotting in there, that's a different ball game than when you're sitting there in the fourth quarter and you're on carry 20, 21, 22, and you've been taking a pounding and you're in pass protection and all that other stuff. So, honestly, until it happens, we really don't know. And, and Darren McFadden, I, I'd love to tell you this and that about him, but until he gets on the field and we see him, I mean, in-game action, and we see him week to week, uh, you know, we just don't know. We just know he was a very high draft pick out of Arkansas by the Raiders. We know that he wasn't successful there. We know that they had crappy teams. But I can't make that leap of faith. Oh, that's that's that third pick in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. until we see him. And I always say, you know, I, the, the whole thing about a running back is can they get him to the ground? And, and we all have seen you guys have been around longer than I have, meaning you're older. Uh, we all have seen different running styles. And, and it's almost like fingerprints. No two are the same. If you think of the great runners, I mean, just go through the list. O.J. Simpson and then Earl Campbell, two guys that couldn't be more dissimilar. Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, two, you, they just go on and on. So the thing like with Emmett when he came in, there was, I always say what made it exceptional, what he accomplished, is there was nothing exceptional about Emmett. He, he walked on the field. I was there his rookie year. Out he comes. I'm not sizing him up or anything, but I'm just like, okay, nothing no 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 great speed right no great moves uh not exceptionally big you got he's got nothing where you say he's exceptional in this area and yet he's the nfl's all-time leading rusher so my point being until they get on field you, know, you can do all you want in training camp and hit the hole and you know when they're not tackling you it's, it's the hardest position to me uh to evaluate is running back until you get into game action. I can look at receivers if the guy's fast, he runs good routes, catches the ball, usually that translates. Running back, we just we're just gonna have to wait and see. And I think anybody that tells you otherwise is I don't want to say foolish, but they're just guessing too. All right. Let me ask you a question. This is quiz time. I'm reading a tweet Can I take a pass fail? Uh, yeah, I'm reading a tweet. I'll read you a tweet from a former teammate of yours who you wow. may who you may be seeing later this week. <laughs> you tell me who it is. Taking my annual checkup, your analysis, and blood. I hate this. I will bring you along. I used to pee in a cup three times a week. LOL. Who is that? <laughs> um, did he wear the number 88? Keep going. Was it not Des Bryant nor Drew Pearson? Keep going. Would it have been Michael Irvin? Yes. And are you going to work with him on uh, Thursday night? Yeah, if he gets there, uh, we're probably going to do about three quarters. <laughs> if he Michael's gets there. Kinda, I think Michael thinks of himself as like the baseball closer or the setup man. Oh, he doesn't have to be there at the start of the game? Is that yeah, it? That was funny. Like last year, uh, yeah, we were sitting there in the middle of the first quarter, and comes Michael. But that's Michael. And, and But, yes, he will be there, and I enjoy it. And uh, actually, I've had fun this preseason. You know, we brought in a different guy every week. Nate Newton was the first week, and then uh, Dave Campo. I worked with us for the San Francisco game and Daryl Johnston last week, and, and this week it'll be Michael. So it gives you a different perspective is, uh, than the you know kind of the same two guys every week. Is Aikman too big time for you? I won't work with him. You won't work with him? Yeah, no, he wants to. It's in your contract? Pardon me? Is it in your contract? You know, it's kind of unspoken. It's in, the, it's in the fine print. It's actually an addendum to the contract. How, how long but, has, have you had this enmity with him? <laughs> I would love, actually, I would love to work with Troy. My biggest fear 
is for the audience because I think it would get so far off the rails um, just talking and telling stories and doing all this other stuff that uh, we may not talk any football. And, would, <laughs> and and that would detract from the exhibition game how? Exactly. That was, Well, what's interesting about these is pretty much in the first quarter, it's been my rule of thumb, uh, kind of stick to the football, and then when you get to the second half, you, you start looking at the bigger picture stuff, you know, schedule and the tough four-game stretch that they might have, a team coming in. Obviously, you're looking at New England, waiting to see what happens with Brady and whether he'll be playing. So there's a lot of storylines you can go to from there. But, um, yeah, and the second – you know what's funny, though? I always think also that I, I always try to get information on all the young players, I mean the rookies, and they've all got a little story. And I try to relate that story to the audience. I really do because I remember back when I was watching the Olympics, right? And this was when you didn't have everything on television. So you watch them, you know, early 70s, whatever you have, and they would do a up-close-and-personal story, ABC would, on the biathlete. Well, I cared nothing. I didn't even know what a biathlete was. They shot, they ski, who cares? It might mean they, something very different right, in, yeah, uh, right, this, yeah. this day and age. Yeah, as I, as, yes. But in those days, as today, you know, it, you, you ski and then you shoot. Well, who? I, I, I never, I, at that point, I'd never skied. I'd never fired a gun. Never been on a set of skis. So what do I care about the biathlon? Then they sit there and they were doing up close personal. You'd meet the guy. He worked in a packing meat packing plant during the day. He would ski at night. He would sit there and strengthen his legs by watching TV without a chair, but he'd be in that position. All of a sudden, the biathlon started, and you're like, you're pulling for the guy. So I try to impart a little bit of that, those stories about the younger players, and away they go. So it's, I, I think I hope that the viewer then gets a little more engaged in that person out there that they probably don't know much about. All right, give us a breakout player for this season, a player that we're not thinking will, will make a big impact, but you know, having watched every day at training camp and, and all the preseason games, one name of a player we did not expect to be a significant contributor who might be. Well, I can't go to somebody you didn't expect, but... The, the guy that has really been impressive for me and becomes more impressive the more I watch him is Randy Gregory. And I know he was a second-round pick, and so that guy should be good and all that, but he has – he just – I'll give you a quick example. Um, Demarcus Lawrence on the other side was drafted higher. He was a high number two the previous year. Randy Gregory was a low number two this year. And if you, you were to compare the two, there's just no comparison. Really? And, and, and Demarcus Lawrence has a year under his belt. I mean, he, I think he's, it's not to say he's a bad player, but Gregory just, every time I look at him, he kind of jumps off the page at you. Well, now, Gregory was supposed to be a top five, top ten pick, too, though. Yeah, but you know what? If you go back, so was Lyle Collins, right? If you go back to all the guys in the draft who were supposed to be top ten picks, there's about 30 of them, right? I always like that. Oh, this guy just fell to me. Well, he fell to you for a reason. You well, know, nobody wanted him. Well, he, so, but, but Randy fell because of the uh, the positive, or because of the reports of the uh, marijuana. Yeah, but uh, along those lines too. I don't know how far he fell because if you if you took everybody off your draft board that had smoked marijuana in college, right? You wouldn't have but about 40 names up there. Well, there's no question so, about that. I know they're all smoking pot. But, but you know how it works in the draft, too. Look at Lyle Collins. He fell out of the draft completely because he was asked by the police 
about the the, uh, the oh. killing of his former girlfriend back in Baton Rouge. So yeah. so that's that's ridiculous, right? That he falls all the way out of the draft because of that. So so well, crazy things do happen in the draft. Yeah, crazy things happen, and uh, you know, hey, Des Bryant's a great example. Look at Des Bryant. I look. I, okay, he was New England had that pick at twenty four. They traded Cowboys traded up to get it. I, I have to believe that every time Tom Brady, <laughs> who who really hasn't, we, as we all know, hasn't had that Hall of Fame top receiver. He's got Kronkowski at tight end, obviously, but he hasn't had that wide receiver where the guy's just taking over ball games. And i got to believe Brady looks on Monday Night Football when they played on Sunday or what have you, looks at this, Brian, and says, you mean, I could have been thrown to that? That would be unfair. Wouldn't that be unfair? No, I, but I just think it's funny that, again, Brady has to look at that. It's like, it's like, I don't know what Cindy Crawford looked like in high school, okay? But let's just say she was ugly, but she probably wasn't. <laughs> well, and is... you turned, you turned her, you were the guy that turned her down because, oh my God, she's, Cindy Crawford, uh, she's homely and she's a little heavy and what do I, and now you're looking back going, oh my God, I, you mean I could have had that? Oh my God. Uh, let me, let me right? tell you something, babe. Barry and I were not turning down anybody <laughs> in high school. <laughs> That's very no, true. That's very good. Yeah, well, true. Okay, good. I like that. I, I improved I like myself that. greatly after after high school. Hey, now let me. Hey, I, I just, I, if I may say, I just ran into the lovely Mrs. Shankton. Uh, she was having a, a lunch or something. The way women tend to. She looked just very like nice, and I was in my t-shirt and shorts. You know, you and I used to go to lunch all the time. We don't go. Where did you see her? What? Let's give somebody a plug. Where did you see Gosh. her? Where did I? I where? I was probably uh, the mansion, or you know. Oh no! So, oh, I, I was at. Uh, I'm sorry. I was with my boys. I think we were at dinner actually. No, it wasn't the mansion. Uh, it was a uh, down in uh, Bishop Arts District, and it's oh, really good. Very ch- very chic. Yeah, there you go. No, no. Help me, help me, Mr. Shannon. Could have been Hattie's. Could have been uh, any oh. any place down there. Anyway, gosh, I should remember that. That's quite it was right. really good. They but, have the they have the best meatloaf. I've ever had. Probably was, wasn't it? That's a great place. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this about the, when we're talking about rookies, because we hear all about this guy and how smart he is and about and how he's playing about 12 different positions, uh, Byron Jones. Uh, is it legitimate that the possibility is that he could back up both safety positions and the cornerbacks? Yeah, I think he's going to have to <laughs> with Orlando Scandrick going out. And and one of the things about him, his size and strength, he can he can handle bigger players. He can can go in there, take on tight ends, things like that, which is would set you apart a little bit uh, at that position from other players. But here's the thing: the Cowboys, they, they can say what they will, they don't value safeties. You know, I mean, if if you had the value chart, that strong and free safety are number ten and eleven on their list, and, and you know how you know that they take se- they took seven safeties to camp this year, only one of them had been drafted in the NFL, and that was Wilcox in the third round. So they did not draft Byron, Byron to uh, be a safety. They, they don't, know, so, they, by so that, while he can, while he can play it, they, they don't, they, they don't spend them on picks on safety. Well, they, they but, spend but, them on corners. But, but, but by that, by that logic, they don't value quarterbacks. Is, is there a quarterback on the team that they drafted? Well, I, I will tell you, well, at least, at least Whedon was a first-round pick. Say what you will about his ability in this and that. Not by the at Cowboys. Least somebody, at least somebody. But I mean, when the when the Cowboys went to camp, not players they drafted. They took seven safeties. Only one of them had been drafted. But I, I, trust me, my pet peeve, and I, I just I can't believe it because Jason Garrett's the head coach, and he was a quarterback, and he knows the value of the position. First off, the Cowboys have drafted fewer quarterbacks than any team in the NFL. 
over the last 25 years, okay, by far. And I just don't get that the most important, this is, this is not a revelation, it's the most important position you have on the field by far. You've got to keep throwing numbers at it right? until you get it right. We're going to see Ryan Mallett, who was drafted, I believe he was a third-round pick by New England. You know, they had Tom Brady. They spent a third on him. Garoppolo, they took in the second, I believe. So now here's Brady, and he's you, you've got to constantly be looking for the next guy. Give me another example. Seattle. How about Seattle, right? They, they signed Matt Flynn to that huge money deal. He was going to be the quarterback. They still took Russell Wilson in the third round. Now, nobody said, hey, well, here comes this Russell Wilson guy, but they had options. And to me, you always have to have, you have, to have options. And, and the, the worst thing that happens is you draft a Matt Schaub in the second round, and you know what they did two, three years later? They traded him for two second-round picks. He's an They're invest- always going to have value. He's an investment. Yeah, they're always going to have value. All right, now let me ask you this question about the quarterback situation and your philosophy about that. Because first of all, let's let's not let's just right out of the box say if you lose your starting quarterback, you're screwed. Yes, right? look at Arizona last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, but secondly, to, in, in my mind, and it looks like more teams are going to ha- just keeping two quarterbacks instead of three. But if you're a team that's close uh, to a Super Bowl, uh, then then there's value in in doing what the Cowboys have done in the past, which is sign a Kyle Orton or or, um, or uh, you know or someone like that who's who's, who's been right. a very good quarterback who's won games in the NFL, uh, right. very effective, and somebody who could step in and play and maybe not be as good as your starter, but he'd still be a very serviceable quarterback. That that's one. Secondly, to me, it, or you or you keep a quarterback that you think you're going to develop into the replacement for the quarterback you have now. Correct? Yes, or he may not replace that quarterback, but because we don't know how long these guys are going to play, right? Oh, no, no, no. And you, and you may lose that guy, as you but said. I mean, here, here, it, Brett it may be a guy you turn around and, and trade. What, yes. what Green Bay do? They had Brett Favre, right? right? The most durable quarterback in NFL history. He was playing great. He was at the top of his game, on and on. What did they do? They drafted Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. So. But, yeah there's no question about that you may not he may not end up replacing this quarterback but that's yeah. kind of the thinking in my mind what's flawed about the cowboys uh situation is that brandon whedon is what 31 years old now will he be 32 he's 32 this i believe yeah yeah he'll be 32 so uh, even uh, even if we don't take jerry's scenario that that uh, tony's going to play until he's 45 uh <laughs> then then he's going to be too old to be the starting quarterback when he replaces uh, when Tony retires in the first place. So yeah, to me, I, I'll be honest with you, he's not viewed he, as that guy. No, no, I don't think he is either. So yeah. the, the point is, is that what did he do? What has he done in the NFL to make you think he could come in and be a quarterback who is going to win for you right now? And and what has he done to make you think that in the future he could be a replacement? He's in a, he's a it's like he's in a no man's land here, and that's that's my problem with the Cowboys' philosophy about having him as the backup quarterback. Who could the Cowboys bring in? Give me a backup quarterback currently in the NFL who could come in if something happens to Tony Romo, and the team wouldn't miss a beat, or the team would could, could well, continue. yeah, we, there's nobody. Would, be. Who? No, no, no. there's nobody. No. Okay, but I I do think there are there are backup situations obviously that are more solid than others. I think Sean Hill, the guy we just saw. From Minnesota here, I think he's a he's he's a guy that can get you in, get you through some stuff. Um, I like the kid from Old Dominion, didn't you? Oh yes, very much so. I mean, he was intriguing. I, I really and thought he funny, was. I, I always say about these guys because you just don't know. The only guy I said that's the guy was Andrew Luck. I didn't say it about RG three, and I don't say that in hindsight. But 
and that was all coming up. I'm <laughs> thank, like, thank, Andrew Luck. Thanks. Thanks for the hindsight. No, 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 no. Andrew Luck. Well, my boys kept saying, Dad, RG3, RG3. Uh, this guy says RG3. This guy said, hey, I'm just telling you, boys, Luck is, he's like the best I've seen. All right, let you know, me let me quickly. We have to let me quickly ask you. Go. RG three gets cut by by the Redskins. Should the no, Cal, should the Cowboys no. pick him up? No, but I could see him doing it. I just think that I, I think he's he just comes with too much drama right now, and and this team. I think the one thing they've done is, for the most part, obviously there was drama with the Hardy signing, drama with you know his dad's going to sign this kind of stuff, but there hasn't been the the constant daily drama that you had with the Terrell Owens. And anyway, this team. And I think the head coach functioned better without the daily drama. And RG three is going to bring a lot of drama with him. Okay, if the head and I co- just don't, and I don't, if, if they don't want him, if the team that gave him all this money, right, and the owner that loves the guy, and the head coach Shanahan who drafted him gave up a draft, his draft basically to go get him. If they don't want him, and if his teammates don't want him, why would you want him? All right, I need a yes or no because we've got to go because okay, Ev- Evan Gray. If the owner wants him and the coach doesn't want him, will he be a cowboy? Would he be a cowboy? Yes or no? Hello. I'm I'm, I'm thinking yes, yes. Oh, he would be a cowboy. So I'll I'm, I'll I'll say that there's a chance he could be a cowboy. Oh, always, always, I always hold that out, and and you know, I, hey, Jerry was enamored with Roy Williams, the receiver, <laughs> just enamored with him. Okay, and he ultimately went against probably some advice that he was getting, and he went and got him. It was disastrous, as we know. But he, w- but he wouldn't cost. But uh, RG three wouldn't that, cost the draft picks and, and everything else. You just pick him up I, off I the street. Have, but and I have not talked to Jason Garrett about RG three. But if he didn't want him, I think he would make his case strong enough to Jerry. If Jerry did want him, that he probably wouldn't be on the team. All right, Mister Loffenberg. Hey, as we know, Jerry gets the final say, as he should. Yes, and he he would get the final say on this show as well. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys. Mr. Loffenberg, thanks for coming in. You're great. Always great to be here. And we'll be talking to you next time. And for me and for Barry Horn. And the empty seat, Evan Grant, who is in San Diego. Yes. We will you say. sound like Clint Eastwood now with Obama. I'm talking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, it's a better conversation talking to an empty seat than talking with Evan. That's right. I love Evan. I love Evan. Don't we all? Don't talk poorly about him. Be, okay, guys. Be well. Thank, Thank you. you